All right. My name is Rick. I'm a recovered alcoholic. And uh, who's Clancy? Uh, congratulations to the group. That's uh, the first and foremost thing. I'm tickled you all invited me to share your celebration with you. That's what this is. Uh, celebration of uh, this home group sticking around for 10 years and um, doing the work. What I've seen with home groups is the one that... Um, one of our co-founders, Bill Wilson, um, says that the sole purpose of any meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous is the teaching and practice of the 12 steps. Um, the closer we adhere to that, the closer um, the effectiveness of the group is, as far as I've been able to tell. Um, the groups that stick to that real closely seem to flourish. Sobriety goes where uh, we're effective. And that's... Um, book tells me that's my job, to grow in understanding and effectiveness. And I think sticking around for 10 years is a uh, really indicative of that. So I, I would just start off by saying congratulations to you guys. And uh, thank you to Chris and um, everyone involved with the group in this event that uh, had me up here. Everybody's been very hospitable. And I'm just thrilled to be sober. I'm thrilled to be a part of anything having to do with Alcoholics Anonymous. Group anniversaries, individual anniversaries. I know some of these anniversary is uh, going on tonight. Congratulations. I talked to a lady who has 23 days um, and is with us. I'm far more concerned about her than five-year anniversaries. Welcome to Alcoholics Anonymous. Anybody else that's new, welcome, welcome. I got here... Um, I don't have time to get in the whole thing. Let's do an experiment. I'm just going to get you guys to share my drinking, why I drank, what it was like. Um, if you guys will humor me, let's, we're going to hold our breath together for 30 seconds. I'll count in my head. Ready? Go. I noticed some of you were starting to rock a little bit in your chair, looking at the watch, a little bit of unease, discomfort, very aware who's next to me. It's kind of quiet. I just really don't like this. And then it came. That's probably all I need to tell you about my drinking. Drinking, that's what it did for me. And that's what it was like when I wasn't drinking. So I had a not drinking problem. Um, I didn't really have a drinking problem. That seemed to you know, fix everything for me. Um, the last couple months of my drinking, my little sister had not talked to me um, for about eight years. I had managed to, um, when we were kids, push her out of a tree fort. She fell, had some real serious injuries, was never able to have children. Um, she didn't like that. She thought that was a pretty important part about being a woman. Um, I, I, you know, that she was coming in when we were drinking and I needed her out. Um, I'd broken into my mother's house where I hadn't been allowed for a long time and um, it was about 3 in the morning she slept in this house that I wasn't allowed in with the doors locked with her purse underneath her bed uh, tells you about our relationship I remember being on my stomach crawling across that floor as quiet as I could be reaching down 
quiet, quiet, going for the purse. And her head came off the side of the bed and caught me square in the eyes. And she looked at me and just with all of a mother's love said, Rich, take it, just take it, would you? Um, my father had left. Those were the two closest people. My aunt and uncle had talked to me for a long, long time. My friends were gone and I was pretty much drinking at home at this point. Um, I'd fled back to the East Coast. I was um, wanted in Maryland. I was wanted in California. I was wanted in Colorado. Warrants everywhere. One step ahead of the man. I'd have told you I was traveling. If you ask what are you doing, you know, like I was some type of romantic sojourner across our country. A little bit delusional. Um, but you got to stay one step ahead of the man. And uh, but that's traveling in my world. And um, the body was starting to shut down on me. The, the, I had just come out of the come out of the doctor's office. I've been in and out of AA. I've been to the hospital four times in this last three to four month period. I've been in and out of AA, in and out of AA. There was a couple things I noticed about AA. You guys had steps on the wall. Um, I knew just about you know enough about these steps to be very dangerous to myself and others. Um, the fourth step in particular, if you've come from where I've come from and done some of the stuff I've done, you don't write inventories. That's called a paper trail. Some of the guys I worked with were still in the penitentiary that I'd just gotten out of in San Diego, and I didn't want to go back. Um, so I wasn't about to do that. Um, God, there was this woman that... There's this woman named Janine. She really bothered me at meetings. There were certain meetings when they talked about, probably meetings like this one, you know, when they talked about this book. I bring this. I don't know why. It, never, it makes me feel good. Just have, anybody have this book? Anybody read this book? I, I didn't. You know, there's good stuff. It's for 364 pages. But uh, Janine always had this thing with her. Wherever she went, in and out of meetings. And I didn't know a step meeting from a tradition meeting from an open discussion meeting. Um, I knew I liked the ones where you got to talk about how you feel and how your day went, what a jerk your boss was. And, and these ones where they were talking about steps and shit. That, that, if I got there in time and figured out what was going on, I went to another one where I didn't go at all that night. And if I saw this woman, Janine, in the meeting, you know, she, she, just, she always came and she had the bug. And she was a little bit older than me, but she was close to my age, so I kind of related to her. And, uh, but the thing was, she was always smiling and happy, and she had this group of women that followed her around, like in and out of meetings, and they're all smiling and bubbly. And uh, here's the disgusting part if you're a vindictive, angry, mean, bitter, end of your rope, drunk like me, you hate anybody smiling and happy, right? And then on top of it, you know what she calls these women? Her duckies. Come <laughs> on, duckies. <laughs> and they follow her in and out. And there was this guy, Jim, who was always, you know, he, he, he was from the South. And, Richard, you're back again. I hate it when he says that. Welcome back, Richard, you're back again. How was it out there this time? Thank you, thank you. No, always thanked me. So, I was 36 days sober without a drink. Very, uh... Dangerous place. This last time I went to the hospital, they biopsied my liver. They took out three spots out of my liver. And um, they're doing this biopsy, and the doctor comes back. He says, they're just fatty, fatty spots. You're going to be okay. No big deal. You just can't have a drink again in your life. And 
And um, and I believed it, and I knew that because of how I was feeling inside. Not this. I had heard stuff like that from doctors, and you're not going to scare me sober. You know, if you drink like me, you don't you don't scare me. Uh, I think the book's something like uh, frothy emotional appeals don't suffice. That's girlfriends. I love you, but I have to leave if you keep drinking. There's the door. (laughs) Mothers and sisters, you're all expendable in my life. You know, give me a bottle of Jim Beam. But uh, something was going on where I I, I knew it had me. And I was scared to take a drink. And I was scared to do AA. And... um, What he told me was, don't take any Tylenol. Tylenol is very bad for the liver. You need to give your liver time to recover. And um, with a great deal of embarrassment, you know, I, I, I couldn't see the truth from the false. I couldn't see another way out. I knew I couldn't drink, and I knew I couldn't do what uh, the people that were happy were asking me to do. You know, what it seemed to me, my perception of things. The only way out I saw was that Tylenol. That's what came into my head. That was the best thought I could come up with. He said, no, Tylenol, Tylenol. So I take as much of these things as I can, three, four bottles, and um, eventually I go down in this townhouse that I'm, that I'm living in, and the walls aren't too good, thank God. The neighbor hears it, calls the ambulance or something, and I'm back at the exact same hospital, Atlantic General, for the fourth and final time. I come to and I'm wearing one of those sexy hospital gowns, they're papered, your butt hangs out, and, you know, whenever you roll over, and I'm hooked up to everything under the sun, and as I'm coming to, there's a body at the end of my bed, and a bunch of them. How you been to this? It's Janine. <laughs> With the duckies. <laughs> and she says, girls... I'd like you to take a good look. This is what happens to an alcoholic that refuses to take our steps. Let's go, girls. <laughs> and they left. And, uh, God, thank God she did that. What that did was tear the last bit of uh, dignity or, you know, really uh, ego. <laughs> You know, there there ain't much left when your butt's hanging out and you're the poster child for poor Alcoholics Anonymous to Janine and the Duchess. And um, that was the beginning of an awakening. uh, It it, it happened quick for me, sometimes quickly. You know, sometimes these uh, things are revealed. I had a... uh, Something happened quick and then a series over time of uh, learning experiences where the mind slowly opened and the door opened. And on that particular day, it was... If and when I get out of here, I'm going to find that guy, Jim. And I'm going to do everything that he's talked about in that book. That was it. That was my big awakening. And, um, and that came from experience. That came from experience from going to an awful lot of meetings, um, from making coffee, getting a sponsor and calling them, talking about my problems until they probably wanted to puke. Um, Setting up literature tables, coming early, breaks up chairs, put them down, come early, leave later, you name it. Don't drink, go to meetings. So any phrase you've heard, I did it and tried it. What I did not do was avail myself to each and every must in my book. There's apparently a lot of big books out there that don't have any musts. Uh, people, people talk about those books a lot. They're, they're different than mine. Um, 
talked about those before because I wanted to try all those other options before I didn't want to do musts. You know, I like buffet, the one the one what was the other one? Take what you need and leave the rest. That's a, well, that's wonderful. Unfortunately, it was a recipe for, you know, death for a guy like me. So I started this process with Jim and um, really the first the first action, you know, I I I'd done one, two, and three walking in the door. I, I don't I don't know uh, how much time needs to be spent there. I, I've wasted several years on step three, um, you know, finding God and knowing everything about Him. I thought was the task because of that italicized portion, as we understood Him. You know, I'm not stupid. You're telling me to understand God. I see what that says. Good way to die hanging out there for me. So I got busy writing this inventory. And I know, what's an inventory? This is a big thing for me that I'm so scared of. And he says, it's what you do outside the meetings, Rich. It's what everybody does. Then they're standing out there smoking. And I smoked at that time. I'm standing out there and I'm smoking. And, you know, I'm talking about the boss. And they're, God, I'm not making enough money. I've got to go to these meetings. And they want me to go to a lot of meetings and do this stuff. And drive guys here. And I don't know how I'm supposed to pay rent. You know, and the landlord's pretty unreasonable. And, uh, man, my girlfriend hadn't left me. What do I her? And, uh... Each of these things that we all talk about, you know, Chris, he always talks for half the meeting. Um, you know, and then Bob over there, I know what he's going to say before he says it. Uh, and he said, Rich, write it down. Write it down. And that's what got me started. Was he said, it's just what we do every day. It's nothing different. You're used to doing inventory. And I never thought of it that way. So I started doing it. And he said, here's the great news. It only has to make sense to you. It doesn't have to make sense to another person in this world. So I started writing down and said, uh, for me, this, this word made sense to me because I didn't have any resentments. I told him that. <laughs> he said, well, why don't you write down who you hate and why you hate them? And I said, okay, I can do that. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, as soon as I started, it felt great. Man. I was broke as soon as I got the first thing down. Uh, I'll do one for you because I, I like practical examples. Um, People talk in theory a lot in AA. Um, at that point, it was Melissa. She was the first one that came out. Melissa was the girl that had been living with me. Uh, she was doing all my cocaine. She wasn't contributing to rent. She was drinking everything in the refrigerator. I bought her golden grocery. She ate everything in the refrigerator. Now she got a job as a waitress and doesn't come home at night. I'm pretty sure she's cheating on me. Thinks she stole more cocaine and is selling it at work. <laughs> I mean, boom, boom, boom. And it, it, it's going, man, and it's feeling good. And I did this with each and every person in my life. I put it away and he said, well, uh, why don't you come over and bring it over. We're going to take a look at this and you know, see what's, what's going on here uh, with all these people. And we started to look at this list again from a different angle. Um, what was affected with me, you know, was it, uh, whatever, my self-esteem, my ambitions, my uh, sense of who I am, my sense of me. You know, this thing I've created, uh, that we call it the ego. And... Um, Sex relations. What about sex? We all have problems there, right? Not a loophole in that one. So I'm doing the deal here, and he said, "Now we're going to look at this from another angle." So now we're doing a, a different. You know, the, we're here. We're in third time. Now we're coming back again, and we're going to see what I might have had to do with any of this. And I just couldn't understand what uh, what I had to do with this Melissa situation. I was just such a good guy. I take this girl in, you know, and, uh, and here she goes, taking advantage of absolutely everything. And as we looked at it, he said, well, what did you tell Melissa when you met her? 
And it turned out the same thing that I told every woman that I'd ever come across in my life. Um, the long and the short of my game, I mean, you guys got game out there? My game was, come with me, babe, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> you know, from here on out, you're never going to have to work. I'm a big time drug dealer. <laughs> come with me, leave whoever you're with, things are going to be cool. So there was the promise, right from the beginning. And it didn't take long, you know, before the reality of, of my deal kicked in. But Melissa was separated. She was in the process of going through a divorce. She had two kids with this guy. As it turns out, he wasn't real keen on her getting to see her kids now that she's shacked up with this drunk drug dealer. I come from a pretty small town, Ocean City, Maryland. We're a little island six miles long. Everybody knows secrets don't stick around no good. So... Uh, you know, I, I made this divorce. I elongated it. I made it ugly. Lawyers were fighting. She couldn't see her kids. Um, I, I made it an absolute disaster, like I did everyone on that list's life when I went through it. I truly was a tornado. I was able to see that. You know, I come into this and things get worse. I make bad situations worse. I make good situations worse. And me. And that, that was the sum total of this fourth and, and, and a fifth step experience. We looked at ourselves. It, it gave me a humble perspective on myself. And I didn't even know what that word meant. I thought it was the same as humiliating because that's a little bit what it felt like. Um, humble comes from a different root word, hummus, uh, which means dirt, the barest form of ground on which we stand, the purest form of earth. The root, the soil, the here and now, here I am. That's it. And this is me and all of me, with God and, and my sponsor, and I'm standing there. And I was able to see something that day. Bill uses these boat analogies, you know, a floundering vessel and we're passengers on the great liner and all those analogies. I use the one I was talking to my new friend before the meeting about that uh, what really that did for me, it gave me a course of latitude and longitude of where this ship called Rich was lost in the sea. You know? And once I have a latitude and longitude, I can start working, I can set a course. And by and through these steps, you know, it, it led me with, to this power and with this power that I never had, and I will tell you that I found it in one place and one place only. And it was buying through the 12 steps of our laws and arms. That's just my experience. That I got to set a course. And with that done, I got to approach, uh, approach this power and ask for some help for the first time in my life. We were talking about I didn't get this wonderful feeling of you know, how liberated I was. My feeling was, boy, I'm really a disaster. Um, which is a good thing, because now we get to, you know... That step alone, it, it says, unless followed by still more action, this is going to have little lasting permanent effect. All I did was, you know, share with somebody and put down for the first time what a total wreck my life was and, and, and come clean a little bit, but that doesn't do very much to fix my life. I'm still wanted in three states at this point. So, uh, and I ruined a career, potential career, and all of that stuff. 
And my sponsor at that time was, uh, he still is, he's a, he's a man named Jim Mallory, and he's in his 42nd year of sobriety. He was sponsored by a man, a man named Clarence Snyder, who was sponsored by Dr. Bob. And I just like knowing that, so I know what I got and where it came from. And he was honest enough with me to say, I retired from the military, I've never worked an honest day of, uh, you know, in the public, private sector. You know, my life, I've never had to go out and look for a job, I've never had to repair jobs. I, I retired from the military and I've been collecting a pension. Um, there's a guy in Delaware named Roger, why don't you, I, I know he kind of balanced the two, why don't you talk with him? And um, Roger's sitting in the front row, Roger's my other sponsor. And um, anybody that can wear red no, sport coats, you know, comfortably, they've done some work. But, uh, <laughs> so, he, he, he's, he's got this terrible line that he keeps throwing at me. When we get to this eight-step list, you know, which was just the four-step transferred over, and then I threw on all the random damage I caused because, you know, you don't necessarily have to wrong me or cause resentment. Sometimes you're just in my way of my drinking. Um, an example of that I'll give you was uh, Bank of America. They, uh, they didn't, <laughs> they, you know, their ATM machines were weak. We'll say that. Um, So, he starts off with this, how free do you want to be thing? What, what, are, what lengths are you willing to go to? Um, I had some Ravens tickets at the time, and I wasn't uh, real comfortable in, in my sobriety at first. And he said, well, I forget who suggested Why don't you give your little sister the two Ravens season tickets? You know how much they cost? You know about those PSLs? They're hard to get on. And like my sister, she hasn't talked to me forever. Didn't you want to make this right? Yeah, so I give her these tickets for the whole season. And um, she doesn't even write me their call or say thank you. you know, there's another one. But you know what did happen? After the first game, she calls me and says, Hey, they, they claimed the Broncos tonight. You should have seen this game. I took a client from work and blah, 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 blah. And she called me to tell me about the game and we started having some conversation and I got to have these each week. And... Um, that was the beginning of that relationship starting to grow. And she bought her first house down in a place called Federal Hill by the stadium. And they're little old townhomes that need a lot of fixing up. About three hours from where I live. She said, uh, you know, we help me paint this place. Um, I'm out of money. And I had a little bit of that. And um, helped get some paint and helped her paint. I drive three hours on the weekends, you know. Um, and three hours back. And then came the hardwood floors. Can you help me snap together? I'm not very whatever you want to call it, handy. But the, I showed up, you know, I'm snapping down this hardwood floor, and we're talking, and we're talking football, and this and that. And I, he said, well, what about, what about mom? I talked to mom, and we started having lunch or dinner once a week, you know, Fridays. And she picked Fridays, and she got to pick. And um, there's always something doing Fridays. That's when the action group meets on on Friday. And I like the action group by now because that's what they're doing. They're action. You know, I like being around these people. I'm getting fired up in AA. Uh, I'm, I'm able to, my sister's calling. I'm looking my mom in the eye for the first time. I mean, big things. I want to be with these AA people on Friday nights. And this group, man, after they're done, they go out. They go bowling and all the stuff I used to make fun of. And I found out that when I get out of me enough, the stuff's fun. You know? Having pie at Denny's with 90-year-old ladies is pretty cool sometimes. You know? I'm learning stuff. So I'm going and, 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 and doing the deal there, and my mom's starting to, 
hugged me and kissed me. And I remember one day she left the purse on the kitchen table and walked into the living room. I was, I don't think she noticed, but I noticed. Then came the biggies was uh, calling this judge in California. He told me he was putting me away for five years. I had to do, um, I had a felony cocaine charge and a DUI outstanding. And he told me he was going to cut me a break because when I got it, I was in college. And he said, you have your whole life in front of you. If you do these 10 a.m. meetings or whatever and alcohol class, it'll be as if this never happened. And... Uh, I said, okay, judge, you know, you got it. You'll never see me again. I'll be a good boy. And, of course, I didn't go to any of the classes or do anything. Yeah, so it all turns into warrants. When things turn into warrants, I travel. We already talked about that. Time to go see Colorado. And uh, so now i got to go see this same judge whose last words were, if you don't do this, you will do every day of the five years. But at that point, I've been sober for about a year and a half, and I write this judge and tell him I'm coming. I'm coming to turn myself in. Um, I'm sober and alcoholics and I'm this thing called the ninth step. I don't want to have to ever take another drink and I'm wobble to drink if I don't do this. So here I come, do what you want. And um, all these other people are writing letters from AA and this priest where I'm mopping the church at nights is sending letters. He got like bombarded with letters from my home group because I'm doing stuff in AA. You know, they know I'm not full of it anymore. They're, they're, they're seeing me do the deal. I'm sponsoring guys and all this kind of stuff. And, I'd like to tell you I did it with some dignity. Um, I was scared to death. Roger can tell you probably the real story after me. Uh, <laughs> I, I got sweat circles under my arms. I'm in the hallways and I'm in San Diego. And in the morning of it, I'm waiting for a quarter to nine o'clock. I was in another bathroom probably five times coming out of all ends. It wasn't pretty. I was scared to death. But I knew by this point that I had something going on in my life. It wasn't me there alone. I don't do things like that. And... Uh, I walked out of there that day. That judge said, whatever you're doing in Maryland, keep doing it, Mr. Brockman. I came back and my relationship with God got a little bit stronger that day. My faith grew. Bill says, at long last, I saw, I felt, I believed. In that order. I had to see a little bit. I had to start feeling some things and then believe. Alcoholics Anonymous never asked me to believe in anything. They asked me to take a series of steps that availed me to God's presence, that availed me to God in my life. And it happens every single time, as far as I've seen. I sponsor a lot of guys. The ones that, you know, get in here and do the deal. To me, that's what it is. What is Alcoholics Anonymous? Chris always reads it, um, you know, from the beginning of the 12 and 12. It's a series of principles, spiritual in nature. That, you know, when practiced, if practiced, enable the sufferer, that's me, to become happily and usefully whole. I'm big that. That's what I'm after. Happily and usefully whole, that's what's going on in my life today as a result of this stuff. Um, and then when this, this deal is done, you know, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm the freest I've ever been in my life. I wish I had more time. I get all fired up about it. Um, it was a lot of work. It was scary stuff, man. But you get through it and then you get to dive back in on the other end of it. And that's what our, that's what our 12 step is about. Um, just getting to carry this thing. I get to go to jails. I get to go to, you know, halfway houses. I get to get in there and really find that next sick and suffering guy before he gets availed to some type of uh, watered-down, crazy, half-measures type deal. And, and tell him, hey, check it out, man. I did that for you already. I did all that stuff. And here's the only thing. This is the only thing that saved my neck and allowed me to find God. And, uh, God, for that, I will, I will always be grateful. I wish I had uh, time to give you guys some more details, but uh, 
Chris is one of my AA heroes. Everybody's got to have heroes wherever I go. And there, there was a guy I was working with named Dennis. Dennis was a knucklehead of the first order. I couldn't get him to do anything. And um, I don't know where he got it. I ran him a copy. Or he, took, he probably stole it off my desk. This guy. He grabs a copy of Chris's CD. And he's been goofing around with his fourth step for like a month. And four steps take like 30 days and three hours, or 10 years and three hours, or 20 years and three hours, right? But they're three hours, whatever you want to do. So he calls me at midnight and says, I just listened to this guy, Chris R. And he says that I really need to do this stuff or I'm going to die. Can I come over now? And uh, by that point, I don't uh, my girlfriend said, no, it's midnight. Go do this somewhere. <laughs> so we ended up in a booth at Denny's from midnight till about four in the morning. Dennis got free that night. And um, so thank you. And um, probably didn't know you did that. <laughs> thank you guys for my sobriety and letting me participate.